You're listening to Movie Homework, brought to you by the Binge Media Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Jack, I'm joined today as always by my co-host Chad. What's going on, buddy? You doing well, man? We've got I've got a week left in dry January, so I'm sipping on a non-alcoholic Heineken beer over here today. Wow, so, it's it's not terrible. It's not terrible. Tastes kind of like Heineken. I don't know what that says about Heineken, but all right. Interesting. <laughs> okay, so if we're if we're talking that kind of stuff, I actually uh, have kind of softly jumped back on the keto bandwagon. So. I haven't had a carb in four days. Uh, that's not true. I had a tiny, fun-sized Twix because I totally forgot that I, what I was doing. But <laughs> other than that, I had that on the first day. But yeah, no carbs okay. for four days. It's uh, it's interesting. <laughs> but going well. Yeah, or... you know, it's fine. I'm alive. You know, uh, hopefully I'll be <laughs> alive tomorrow and uh, I'll get through it. But we're not here to talk about dietary restrictions. Okay, we're here to talk about movies. Um, last episode, actually, technically our last episode was our best of 2023, best and worst. So if you haven't listened to that, go back, uh, give it a listen, download, check it out. But, uh, previous flick that we talked about was Michael Mann's Black Hat. Uh, so you can also go back and listen to that as well. Um, all that being said for this week, we didn't have a great theatrical tie-in. So pulled into the bag, the grab bag of, uh, suggestions, and uh, pulled out Mrs. Doubtfire. This was a movie that I've wanted to talk about in some capacity for a while. Um, and this is a pretty good show to do it on, I think. Um, let me give you a little bit of the trailer so? before we start. This holiday season. Surprise! Robin Williams. Mm. Sally Field. Who needs a husband when I've got you? In a Chris Columbus film. Back off! Mrs. Doubtfire. Got a top here. A father's work <laughs> is never done. Just such a nostalgic trailer that the fucking movie trailer guy, uh, amazing, amazing. When I looked this up, I was like, oh my god, that guy. I haven't heard that guy in forever. Where is that guy? What's he doing? <laughs> Probably dead. Absolutely. But, but yeah, uh, 93's Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, Chad, before we get into it, do you have any box office info on this for us? I do indeed. So this was the number two highest grossing film of 1993. Can you wow. guess what the first was? Should be pretty 90, easy. 93. Uh, 93. Is that Jurassic Park? It is Jurassic Park. Nailed it. There, yep. There you go. So this, yeah, this is, this grossed 441 million worldwide. Uh, wow. Jurassic Park was number one at 914. And then The Fugitive was number three at 368. Oh, awesome. So, yeah, yeah. Domestically, it grossed two nineteen and came out, you know, Thanksgiving weekend, mm. uh, November twenty fourth, nineteen ninety three. the The week before that was the Adams Family Values. A couple weeks before that was Carlito's Way, and then the week after was Schindler's List. So oh, yeah, I got some heavy eaters. Grumpy Old Men was also that December. Tombstone. Oh sure, some, some good, some good shit that that uh, holiday that's corridor. Pretty, yeah, it's a pretty good stretch. Um, and you know, directed by Chris Columbus, who. 
I, I don't know. For me, he's directed a lot of my childhood favorites. You know, Home Alone, first Harry Potter movie. One, I think maybe even the second yeah. one too, right? Home Alone 1 and 2. Yeah, this was his movie right after Home Alone 2. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, like I said, this is a movie I wanted to talk about for a long time. But, Chad, I have no idea what your opinion is of this, what the frequency is with which you've seen it, if you give a shit at all about this flick. So where did you come into this? So I saw this very young as well. And I, I think we've we might have talked about this before on Movie Homework, you know. We've been doing this show for however, five, six, six years now? I don't know. Um, I, I, I think that... I was just inundated with Robin Williams as a kid, like mm. Flubber, Bicentennial Man, this, like a lot of those, I just, I don't know, he just got annoying to me after a while, and oh, I know that's blasphemy to you, I know it's blasphemy to you, Sure. Um, but I, I don't know, I was just, I kind of had this thing against Robin Williams, for I was like, man, I just, I, I was so burnt out on him, but yeah, I mean, I, I've not seen it since I was probably seven, eight years old, but going back and revisiting this, it was, it was like I'd seen it, like, I just remembered so much about it, and it was very, like, the Howard Shore score, just, yes. like, very nostalgic and very, like, just puts you back in the 90s, like, so, but like, a lot of these types of, um, you know, family movies do with the, the the scores like that, and, yeah, this is, this will be fun to talk about. It was, uh, it was, it was definitely a good rewatch here. So. Yeah, so, uh, this, to me, has always been a really, uh, I don't know, special, I guess that's the right word for it, kind of movie. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't make any bones about it. My parents were divorced from the age of six, right? So most of my life has been my parents were divorced. And there weren't a ton of movies that I could watch, at least as a kid, that dealt with that situation. Um, You know, there there were like allusions to it. And I want to say the movie Casper, maybe. And then there was another Mm. movie that I couldn't remember. But um, this was the only one that kind of tackled it head on. And that was the main plot of the movie and, and you know the premise is is wacky it's ridiculous but at the core of this movie it's it's a comedy but it's just got a ton of heart it's got a lot of meaning and I, I, I think the script does a lot of really good interesting things um all I could think about watching this again was man we can't make comedies anymore this is what a comedy used to be. This is still, this movie is still quality. You know, wh- whether you love it or not yep. is kind of irrelevant. Like, it's shot well, like you said, good score, good performances. Uh, you've got great actors in here. Um, you even got mm-hmm. fucking Robert Prosky in a little role, you know? I mean, there's a lot to like here. And it sucks that nobody's, I don't know, motivated to make comedies now or, or people are unwilling to laugh at this sort of thing. But, uh, yeah. But yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, the fact that this made four hundred and forty-one million a comedy in twenty twenty, there's no chance that would ever happen again. That's what in twenty twenty-four, no, not a damn chance. So yeah, yeah I mean, it's crazy. Um, mm. But yeah, a, a lot. I mean, my relationship to Robin Williams um, when I was younger, Aladdin was one of my favorites. Uh, mm. You you said it, Flubber. That was a big movie in my house, um, and I have to say. There were some celebrity deaths that I cared about, but I think this was the first one that kind of hit me in the face, like a like a truck, yeah. you know, um, mm-hmm. just came out of nowhere. And I was just like, you got to be kidding me, because he's one of the few uh, actors that I knew was an actor and was a part of my life from pretty much when I could make memories, you know, 
Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So he sort of looms large in my psyche uh, just as a, a sure. talent, you know. Um, sure. Hook got a ton of play in my house. I know some people hate that movie, but, you know, <laughs> I, that's another one I've got like a nostalgic kind of soft spot for. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. He's He's definitely somebody that I miss. I wish he was still around, I think, given the trajectory of the types of performances he he took uh, and, and performed, we still would be getting great stuff from him. I, I really have no doubt about that, but, uh, but you know, yep. is what it is. So yeah. uh, I mean, the way, the way he, the way he died too, is just really, really sad. Like the, the Louis body dementia stuff that was like, just his yeah. brain was being attacked and shit. And yeah, he said no controls. Yeah. Especially for such a thing. Yeah. Such a larger than life character too i mean like he, he seemed just very genuine in his interviews obviously didn't know the guy personally but yeah just his just his presence was like yeah it is yeah big loss big loss so many of his live appearances you just watch him and you're amazed at the speed at which he thinks and i know uh-huh. that uh famous inside the actor's studio that he does where he's improving for i don't know 45 minutes with a bunch of people in the audience and then with james lipton himself and the way he goes back and forth and moves from topic to topic, it's it's almost as if his brain is, you know, a second and a half ahead of his mouth at all times. And, and he, he's just processing things at a speed that, I don't know, it's, I, I just, I don't know that there was anybody else like him. So, um, yeah. Did, did you, uh, I, I, we were talking before, I, I grabbed the Blu-ray for this because I had, I didn't own it, but yeah. like the outtakes on this, of course, like it's just, it's so insane how much extra footage they have of just let Christopher Columbus just letting him go. I mean, it's, yeah. I think at one point they, they said there's like a, even a, a an NC-17 like cut of this just by like how much, just the, the wide variety of things you yeah. would throw in there. <laughs> it's, it's like the dude is just so good at improving. I mean, well, that, a lot of this script, of course, is so. That was another thing I was going to bring up is um, we were talking pre-show about me possibly starting to buy Blu-rays and 4Ks and stuff. And Mm -hmm. that interest kind of got rekindled while watching this movie because I remembered that this, Uh much like Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, has a Blu-ray that has an incredible array of bonus features. Um, Yeah. Stuff Mm -hmm. that's almost better than the movie, some people have said. So. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's tempting. <laughs> like I told you pre-show, we'll see in a couple of weeks whether or not I've I've fucking slayed this demon. But I don't know. Uh, but the next right, movie yeah. homework, you've just loaded up with just tons of physical media now. You're yeah, yeah. just you know I'm behind on my mortgage payment, but I've got the fucking 4K Conan set, man. So I'm good. That's right. <laughs> Fuck off. But in any case, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. So um, for those of you who have not seen this movie, it's the story of this guy Daniel Hillard. He's married to his wife. He has three kids, uh, oldest daughter, middle son, younger daughter. And he's a voice actor. He's sort of a comedian doing ADR for cartoons and things like that. They live in San Francisco. And at the beginning of the movie, it's clear that he and his wife aren't quite on the same page. She is an architect, I think, or an interior designer. Seems like she has a pretty well-established career. He had just walked out on his job. Went and picked up the kids at school, came home to have a big birthday party, rented a mule, uh, you know, kind of over-the-top sort of thing. The wife gets home, she's upset, the two of them have a fight, and it's very clear that they are not on the same page anymore, and she says she wants a divorce. And that's kind of where the story starts. And it goes to a place, without cutting too far ahead, where 
Daniel decides that the best way to get back in his kid's life is to put on makeup and a woman's body suit and become the nanny that the wife is trying to hire. And he creates this persona, Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, you know, you say it like that, and it's, it's totally <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Um, but I, I, I got to maintain, man, this movie... There's something about it. It could just be nostalgia glasses that are masking a lot for me. I'm kind of. I might need you to check me on this, but <laughs> I really feel like this movie is vastly underrated for for what the script does. But um, but let me give you a little taste of some of the Robin Williams improv here. Ben, I do voices. Yeah, we've come to this planet looking for intelligent life. Oops, we made a mistake. We're happy to be in America. Don't ask for a green card. <laughs> I want you in the worst way. Well, it's certainly a rough meeting, and it's not going very well for me, I'll tell you that. Hey, boss, give it a change. She's going to loosen up any moment. <laughs> Look at me right now, money penny. I want to undo that bow and get to know you. I'm crazy to make a deal with you! Nancy and I are still looking for the other half of my head. This idiot! This idiot! I'm sitting on a gold mine! Don't make me smack you, sweetheart. I'll do it. I do a great impression of a hot dog. So, it's pretty clear that they had a script, they realized they had Robin Williams, and they just kind of leaned into what he can do. Um, obviously, you just make the guy a voice actor so that you can get that kind of shit out of him. Um, mm. And it, I think it works for the most part. The other cast members, though, you, you got to mention, Sally Field is his wife, who I think puts in a really solid kind of, I think mostly realistic performance. And then Pierce Brosnan is the new boyfriend, kind of pre, or right, right around the time, I think, that he was getting cast as Bond. Um, yeah. in, in kind of a funny role. Uh, there's a couple other secondary roles in there uh, throughout, but um, those are the main characters and the main uh, actors that are, are the subject of the movie. And from there, I think this movie's just a, it's, it's a really great showcase for what Robin Williams' strengths were. Uh, his ability to make people laugh, but also be incredibly warm at times. And... I don't know. There's. A, I feel like I'm talking a lot here, so let me let me let you take the reins. What what are what are your initial thoughts on this rewatch? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I need to check you here, man. I think uh, this is yeah, very heartfelt. Very. Uh, I mean, it, it's a just like pretty much what you said. It's a perfect display of what Robin like. Th- I mean, this has got to be like the quintessential Robin Williams role, right? I, I, I think I, so. Looking at his IMDb, I think yeah, this is this is definitely what stands out. Um, I mean, there's some great ones in there, of course. You know, Good Morning Vietnam, and uh, I mean, yeah, he's got a great, a, a great filmography. But I think, yeah, when I think Robin Williams, it's it's gonna be, you know, Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, sure. I, I really, what I really like about this movie too is that, like you, I am a child of divorce. I was eight years old when my parents divorced, and I mean, it doesn't sugarcoat any of that. I mean, they're fighting in front of the kids, even which you know that 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 happened when I was a kid. I saw my parents fighting like that in the. Uh, I, what I really like is the fact that they don't get back together at the end. Like, yes. in in a, in a movie like this, especially, you know, a very heartfelt type of movie, that they put the bow on it, they get back together. And I think there was even, in the in the deleted scene, or not the deleted scene, to the bonus stuff, Columbus talks about how that was a big change, that he's like, I didn't want them to get back together. And I, I appreciate that, because, you know, it's more realistic. Majority of, like, however many marriages all in a divorce, and they don't get back together. It's not always a happy ending, so... Yeah, I think they nailed that for sure with yeah. this. I, I think that's 
honestly, you, you took some of the words right out of my mouth there. I think the ending of this movie is what makes it such a good movie. Um, I, I think that it has a lot going for it. But, again, name me another movie that's not Kramer versus Kramer, right? Which is yeah. kind of a different thing. Where the, the, the couple's divorced, they don't get back together at the end, but there's still a way through, and there's still resolution you know i mean the the, mm-hmm. the yeah. final thing that he says in the movie you know you're going to be all right dear i mean that that's like i don't know man it, it, somebody's cutting onions in here you know what i'm saying like that, <laughs> that is just I, I don't know what to tell you i don't know what to tell you maybe it's because yeah. i've been watching this movie my entire fucking life but uh, there's just something about the 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 emotional through line of the movie that really works for me um which now that i'm thinking about it <laughs> the other movie that got a lot of play in my house that has a divorced couple that by the end there's pretty nice resolution for everybody is the fucking Santa Claus. <laughs> it ah, just occurred yep. to me. But mm-hmm. yeah, interesting. Um which which wasn't Tim Allen offered the role of Mrs. Doubtfire and then turned it down, I think. Believe so. Yeah. Which which yeah, that's a that's a totally different movie. Uh yeah. Uh another another thing I really liked too about this is you know, in this you're of course on Daniel's side. He's who's he, he's your your rooting interest. You can see that. But uh, Pierce Brosnan's character Stewart, in, in a normal this scenario, you would absolutely hate this guy. He's the villain. But I don't think he is the villain. I think it's Miranda who's the villain in this. But he he's even that scene at the pool. He's like, you know, I'm I'm hitting forty. Uh, times are changing, and you know, I've he's talking about. Um, What's oh Natalie the uh, Mara Wilson? He was like, look at the oh, little yeah. Natalie there. So like, even even does a good job of like pulling you on his side, and so you're almost in a way like rooting for him to get with Miranda too. It's like, oh, he would probably be a good stepdad or something. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's pretty, I mean, pretty. Yeah, I like. There's, there's really only one moment where you can see the script maybe had a path towards making him more of an asshole, and it's mm-hmm. that pool scene where he says, you know, what can I say about him? The guy's a loser, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sir, I saw it. Some angry member of the kitchen staff. Did you not tip them? Oh, the terrorists, they ran that way. It was a run by fruiting. I'll get them, sir. Don't worry. Uh, it's, it's just good shit. It's just good shit. What can you say? Um, yeah, an endlessly quotable movie for me, too. Um, I didn't pull this clip, but... Again, this is one of those things that you probably... I'm sure you have this for a dozen movies that I don't. But there are certain movies that you just have like a line ingrained. And it's you think of it constantly to the point where you don't even realize that it's from a movie anymore. Um, that line in this movie is when he first gets the warehouse job. And the guy's showing him what to do. And he says, see those over there? You box those, you ship those. More come in on this pallet, you box those, you ship those. And then he just goes... So after, after after you box them, the guy goes, you ship them. Lots of luck, smartass. <laughs> I fucking use that at work all the time. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. So playing to an audience. Of I would not have. Once again. Yeah, I would not have gotten that if you ever said that to me up until oh this rewatch. So <laughs> just, just, it's, it's, uh, it's my kind of humor, I guess. But um, nope. tons of showcase scenes in this movie, too, for. The, the comedy, I, I gotta, we, we gotta take a, a little sidestep into F- Harvey Firestein world for a minute here. So, as a, an Independence Day fan, okay, this was one of two movies I knew him from. 
And, ooh, excuse me. The, uh, the performance here, again, I, I really have to give this movie a lot of credit. This movie is about divorce. It features a gay uncle and his partner. It doesn't... You you clearly know what's going on there if you understand the dynamic. But as a kid, it's just normal, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I had a couple of gay uncles when I was younger. And they were great. You know, they were step-uncles. But by the time that they entered my life, there was no question in my mind about whether or not that was an okay thing, you know? Um, Mm Mm-hmm. So I think this movie was the first time I had ever seen that, and you know, it's it was never I don't know it was never an issue. It was never something that I had to be sat down and explained what was going on there, you know. Um, yep. And for Harvey Firestein to be my maybe first introduction to a 20th century gay man, that's pretty. It's pretty hilarious. <laughs> uh, also hilarious that their names are Uncle Frank and Aunt Jack. So you know, uh, take that to the bank <laughs> with me, I guess. But um, but yeah, I. Again, another scene in here where Williams gets to do his thing. They're trying out different masks and faces, and he's doing something that looks like it's out of Fiddler on the Roof. Then he does a Barbara Streisand and uh, all kinds of different faces and makeup combinations and everything else. And, you know, it's one of those things. It happens a couple times in this movie where, is it realistic? No. Like, I'm pretty sure if that scene were to actually happen where... He goes to his brother to make a face of a woman that looks like a nanny. They're probably going to go straight for an older woman, right? But mm-hmm. you stretch that out a little bit and you get some laughs there. And, uh, you know, you, you, you find yourself having a good time. What's wrong with that, right? So, um, right. so there's that. There's the scene with Mrs. Selner at the apartment where Mrs. Gosh. Doubtfire comes home. But... Mrs. Selner's there to see Daniel to check his apartment, and you have Williams going back and forth as Mrs. Doubtfire, and then Daniel, then Mrs. Doubtfire. A um, lot of good gags there. Lot, I remember as a kid, too, when he goes into the room and he's taking off the Mrs. Doubtfire suit, but he's talking as Daniel to Mrs. Selner. I remember being like, I don't know, nine or ten watching this movie. And just being like, am I am I supposed to see this right now? Like, what's going on here? You know, like, like what is all this kind of stuff? I thought this wasn't allowed, but uh, yeah. So, it's some interesting like, stuff. That that's like a, such a stereotypical like divorced dad apartment. Like the oh, yeah. like there's just like a random mouse trap in the middle of the floor. <laughs> like what the fuck? Of course, she steps oh. on it. It's, it's yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, Great scene. Really, really like all that stuff. I like the fact, too, that this movie doesn't... It's two hours. It's a two-hour comedy. I don't... Again, nostalgia glasses on. I don't feel that the runtime isn't justified. I think that there are enough plot lines going on here where I'm not bored at, at any point. It, maybe that's me. I mean, do you feel a little bit of that? Mm, I, I think you maybe could have trimmed it to 15, 20, maybe a little bit. I mean, yeah, t- a comedy two hours and five minutes seems a bit unnecessary. But I mean, I didn't I didn't feel the length in this. I think, yeah, I, you could have made it a little shorter. But eh, I mean, it, that wasn't a nitpick by me of any means. Yeah. Fair so, enough. Yeah. Um, and then the, the, the Mrs. Doubtfire performance. So this since this movie has come out, this has been made into a Broadway musical. It's toward the country. Um, so there's a whole other shade of Mrs. Doubtfire fans out there that are 
are in it for the musical side of things. Um, I don't care about that whatsoever. I, I could die never seeing it. I'll, it won't matter to me what, whatsoever. Um, but that being said, Williams as Doubtfire is, I, I think, just a great performance. I don't know exactly where it comes from, but there's something about his eyes that are so like intense and and like loving, but also very caring. And it just works. Like you, if anything else, you got to come away from this movie really respecting him as an actor for being able to sell this character and and the Daniel character really um, in a way that an audience would buy. And that four hundred million dollar gross, I think, totally speaks to his just his skill as an actor, not even a comedian. Yeah, I mean the makeup is really strong too. Like it's, it's I mean, in one. Best makeup at the Oscars, the one when it had. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it's 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 really well done, and yeah, you know it's Robin Williams, but it's yeah, you know you could see you could see the old lady there too. So. Absolutely. Um, however, with the with the makeup, I did again with like twenty twenty four eyes. I was trying to look and see. Okay, I see this guy walking down the street, or I see this lady walking down the street. When do I realize something's off? And I, I will say, for the most part, it's a really good makeup job. There's not much there that I would question at most points of this movie. The only thing that throws me is there are a couple of scenes early on where you can see his hands. And if you look at his hands, those are man hands. 100%. He's not doing anything <laughs> to mask the hands. So yeah. <laughs> if I was making this, this movie today, I would definitely do a little bit of manicure work. And uh, mm. honestly, I, I know they make a scene out of it later in the movie, but I probably would be shaving my legs. Like, let's just <laughs> yeah. leave nothing to uh, chance here. You know, let's just make sure we've got all T's crossed and I's dotted. But Oh, well, yeah. Williams is like extremely, uh, extremely hairy man too. I mean, right. he's like, golly, his hands are like gorilla, gorilla. It's like covered in hair. Yeah, I didn't really notice that though. But I, you know, just sitting in interviews and stuff, you see them. But yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. Yeah, it's it's just that those hands—they're just a dead giveaway. You can't, you can't <laughs> argue against it. Um, but I was also trying to think of just in terms of of other comedies that came out around this time. It, it seems like there was a section of the '90s where you had comedians that were driving movies that did okay. I mean, Jim Carrey had a bunch of them. Um, a bunch of the SNL gang was trying to do different things throughout the 90s. I know some of them were more successful than others. But, I, again, just kind of revisiting that whole idea of comedies getting made today, I just don't know that people give a shit to go and check out whatever the new, I don't know, Pete Davidson movie is or, you know, just pick any flavor of the week from SNL. Like, it just seems like it, it was a different era for this kind of thing um i just wish that the, there was a little bit more variety i wish that somebody out there was taking a shot at making one of these um just so that we had an option you know no but sure but yeah um any other thoughts before we hit the superlatives here i don't think so i think i've covered almost everything i had here uh yeah i'm ready to jump in if you are all right let's do it that's that dude Kafka, what you got for this? So I was going to go with Martin Mole, who is her boss at the beginning, who's like one of the all-time that guys. I mean, he's in like Jingle All the Way, a ton of 
190s movies like i was like a villain or a boss in the scene yeah clue yep exactly but i mean i went fucking gene parmesan you that's right that's right it's been a minute since i've seen that (laughs) um uh but i mean with i mean i went with the the scene stealer here it's impossible not to go with robin williams come on i mean he steals every he's in 90 percent of the movie steals the whole movie for sure so that's what i did makes sense i can't argue against that but I'm going to make a different choice. Uh, I'm going Harvey Firestein. It's, mm. you know, it's right there. Uh, I think I have a little bit of him in this clip, so let me hit this. Don't tell me not to live, just sit and putter. Life's candy and the sun's a ball of butter. Don't bring around a cloud to rain on my parade. It's not working. I need to go older. Older? You mean like uh, Shelley Winters older or Shelley McLean older? What's the difference? Some scotch tape and red hair dye. <laughs> I'm old enough now that I, I understand that reference. <laughs> it's pretty good. Pretty good stuff. Uh, all right. Well, fucking what it, the it, fuck? Punchable face. There's really only one choice for me. Um, it's not even that she's that bad. It's just there's only one choice. It's Mrs. Selner. Uh, Anna Honey, I think, is, is the actress's name. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, punchable face. Mine's pretty easy here, and we haven't really touched on her yet, but it is Sally Field as Miranda Hillard. Oh, I just think, I just think she's awful. Like, I mean, she, not. I think she's fine in the movie, but like as a character, you're just like so against your ex-husband watching your kids, and you'd rather hire some. Like, get the fuck out of here. I, I it, it just rubs me the wrong way. Like, he, he's. I get you're supposed to be on his side, but like, like trying to show up early to get the. Dropping him off late and then just not giving a fuck. I can, yeah, that's not going to fly with me. I'm a punchable face. Come on. Come on, huh. Sally. That's, okay, so we're just, we're, we're going to take a quick detour here. So that's very interesting <laughs> to me because I actually, uh, again, this could be because I, I feel like I lived a lot of the details of this movie, not the Mrs. Doubtfire mm. part, but more the family dynamic. Um it's very interesting. I remember being that kid who was the the bargaining chip between the two parents and that scenario mm. happening to me. And I remember how I felt at those times. And it's funny that the takeaway for me with Sally Field's character is yeah. that ultimately at the end of the movie, she learns that it's not good for any of them to be apart from their father. And, and I, I guess I give her more credit for that mm-hmm. than all the other shit she does in the movie. So that's really interesting. I never thought about that. No. But, yeah, know. I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm, I, the fact that she comes around at the end, but it, yeah, and I don't know. I, my mom had full custody of us, too, so we saw my dad. It was like, yeah, it was pretty much like this. It was every Saturday or every right. it was every other weekend he had us and then Wednesdays. So I think it was what it was. But yeah. it's like, but but at the same time, my mom, like we didn't. We were, yeah, my brother, I was eight, my brother was 12, so he, at that point he was kind of watching, I get not watching, but we were we, we were home by ourselves, right, so we didn't have like a nanny or anything, we sure. obviously, obviously, we weren't the, 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 the most wealthy family either growing up too, so it was like, we would never have money to afford a nanny, but yeah, if I had the choice, if I was a kid, I'd just be like, what the hell, mom, let's go, I'm going with dad. <laughs> so, yeah, that's yeah. Yep. good point. Alright, tell me something about something I was reading right. about. The Ammon. What you got for this? This is going to tie into one of my other ones, but we'll get there. Um, It's got to be the quote when he initially finds out that she's going to hire the nanny and he is doing the series of phone calls. 
And he says, like, <laughs> something, that whole stretch, just I, that's the scene, the, the scenes I was laughing the most in the movie. Um, he's like, are your kids well-behaved? Or do they need a few light slams every now and then? <laughs> I don't know what it is. It just, it just tickled my funny bone. <laughs> or the, it's like the I am job. I am the thing that really sells that scene too is it's it's not just the line it's the way he pronounces it is kind of fucked up you know they mm-hmm. need a few light slams now and then it's like what the fuck <laughs> just so um, polite but yeah, <laughs> yeah. so uh, again there are a lot of good lines in this movie I feel like if I took more time I could probably give you 30 I, I really feel like there's there's a ton in here but one of the ones that stuck out this time, and probably the thing that I noticed the most on this rewatch, was the the, the sort of jabs that Robin and Sally Field get in at each other at different times, you know? Um, mm. And one of them I thought was pretty funny. Uh, in, in the scene where Mrs. Doubtfire first comes to the Hillard home and she's sort of, you know, being introduced to the kids and all that stuff, uh, she says, what a lovely home. Did you decorate it yourself? And she says, yes, I did. And then she says, oh, it reeks of taste. <laughs> that's a great fucking line. Oh, yeah, man. that's true. All right. Fantastic. I know this is a hot take. All right. Most entertaining scene. Again, uh, tough to pick one. I do really like the scene where Mrs. Selner goes and visits the apartment, though. Um that when you know he's getting undressed, he knocks the mask out of the window. The kids are laughing at him. Truck runs over the mask. He's got an improv, so he shoves his face in a cake. Somehow he gets away with it. Uh, and also, curiously, the scene cuts before like full resolution of what's going on there. So uh, who knows how long that could have gone on for? But yeah, I, I'm going with that one today. What you got? So. I, I... I just talked about it the last one, the initial phone calls, but that this the last thirty minutes of the the restaurant scene where he's running back and forth between sure. the two tables is great. Uh, yeah, we're just losing the teeth, clearly getting getting hammered with him, <laughs> slamming the the whiskey, and yeah, that's I had to go with that. Pretty entertaining. Yeah, and and again, just a showcase for what an actor can do. He's great as Mrs. Doubtfire. He's fucking great as Daniel in that scene too. Like it's just mm-hmm. he's having a good time. He's very casual. Him and Robert Prosky have some great chemistry, which I, I feel like Robin Williams is just so good. He probably like forces chemistry upon whoever he talks with. But um, absolutely, yeah, awesome, awesome scenes. I mean, wow. So held up the best or the worst, Chad. So. I went at this from a 2024 lens, and there's no goddamn chance in hell this movie would ever get made in 2024. So I went with just general premise because, I mean, we we know how <laughs> the world is right now. This sure. lighthearted movie would be taken as, you know, an attack on, yeah, yeah I'm not even getting into it. But that, that's kind of where I went with yeah. Correct, exactly, which is not really, like, that. that's not even a thing in this, but it's, yeah, I feel like, for 2024, yeah, this, so you brought this to an executive and they would throw you out of the room really quick at this point, so. Or, you talk to the right HBO executive and they'd make a 10-episode series out of it and it would flame out, so. True, very true. Um, All right, so, things that held up really well. I thought that the Robin Williams performance still holds up. I, I really feel like the script holds up. Um, like I said, I, I heard that new little barb. Uh, that, that was my, my Ammon Award. Um, 
I don't know. There's just every scene has some really good dialogue in it, and it has enough to keep things kind of light and breezy, but there are certain lines that have a little bit more emotion behind them, and, you know, when, when Lydia, the oldest daughter, uh, after Mrs. Doubtfire makes dinner for all, or orders dinner for all of them, she's leaving, Lydia comes out and says, you know, I haven't seen my mom that happy in a long time, even when Dad was here. She walks away, and then, you know, Daniel says thank you under his breath and walks away. I mean, I just feel like there's a lot of really good character stuff in there. Um, I also think that this movie is a really good snapshot of the 90s. Um, I think sometimes movies are of a time and they feel dated. There's stuff in this movie that obviously is dated because of when it was made and what it was trying to capture. But I actually think it it kind of exists as like a good... uh, like, like I said, snapshot of what it, that time kind of looked like and felt like a bit. Um, sure, absolutely. I, I, I know we were a little bit younger, but I don't know. It's it's very it's '90s without the '90s cliches. I think, um, mm-hmm. except for maybe you know jump around uh, playing at the beginning, but whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, as far as what held up the worst, um, I noticed that there are one or two really non-PC Islam references that might not fly no. today. Um, mm. One in particular is like, oh, I'm not a Muslim or something. And it's just like, huh, that's, that's <laughs> interesting. That probably didn't even register 30 years ago, you know? Yeah, that's um, true. So interesting. But, uh, but yeah, so we'll see. Um, all right. <laughs> Best use of music. You know, you... you it's the second time I'm mentioning that you mentioned it, but how, the Howard Shore score in this is, is solid. Um, a lot of the themes, uh, again, they start playing. I get the nostalgia bug for them. Uh, but the, the opening of the movie, when he's doing the voiceover and doing the Figaro and all that stuff, it, it's just, it's great. Um, I don't know if the movie has another section that so effectively uses a piece of music. Um, the only other one that always comes to mind is the melody playing when he is serving up the dinner that he ordered for them. Um, something about that tune is like an earworm for me. But but yeah, I'd go with the opening. How about you? <laughs> so I have two. Uh, you mentioned it. Jump around. Come on now. That is... Uh, <laughs> that, 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 so there's a, there's a little bit of backstory there. That is a... I'm a North Carolina Tar Heels fan. Uh, I was born in North Carolina. But they... In 2008, 2009, they started a... Uh, kind of a, a team thing to that song and so they won the national championship that year but they were like it was like a dance that they did it's kind of carried on in carolina tradition so it's like oh yeah i, I hear that song and it makes me think of that but the trans so the transition from the bus the hairy leg the transition into which this song is aged the worst <laughs> the aerosmith dude looks like a lady oh, yeah. but there's something about that transition it's I, I it made me laugh i can't help it it was it was pretty funny and uh yeah, and that's that's what I went with here. So, yeah, I mean, there's some on the nose needle drops. Papa's got a brand new bag. Is another one where you just like, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, but again, it's like yeah, you get so much goodwill. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do you for that. Yeah, and I totally, I mean, I totally forgot that that song was even in this movie. And then it's like transition. He's playing soccer with the kids, like right. their own. Like, yeah, it's it's great, great transition. So. Oh man! All right, uh, next up, PJ. Dynamite <laughs> drop in, Monty. Uh, casting swap. What do you have? You know what? I'm, I'm. I think Sally Field is fine in this movie. I don't think she's a bad actress. 
But I have a favorite actress that was born in 1946. Her name's Diane Keaton. I want Diane Keaton instead hmm. of Sally Field here. A little is swap she, there. Is she too old at this point? She's the same age. They're, they're both born in 1946. That's I, I usually will try to match that yeah. around the same time. And so I, I Googled actresses 1946, yeah. looked through, I'm like, okay, yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm more of a Diane Keaton fan. I don't have anything against Sally Field, but I prefer Keaton. What, what's interesting. What'd you go with? It, I, she feels older. <laughs> I don't know why. She feels a lot older That's... than Sally Field. but um, No. But yeah, uh, I, I honestly wouldn't change any of the main cast. I'm good with everybody there. So I tried to find a side character that I would swap. And I couldn't find anybody that had, like, the right punch or the right feel to it. I don't want to swap out Robert Prosky because I like him a lot. And this is the first movie I ever saw him in. And, I don't know, there's some, maybe some nostalgia tied to that, too. I think he's a good actor, so. Um, Beef. That's right. About the last show. That's right. Um, so, if I'm going to go with anybody, I'm going to take the ADR director at the beginning of the movie. Let's just put a, let's put a face in that role. And we just need somebody who looks the part and is memorable. I don't know if he was, you know, necessarily game for this, but, and I know this is out of left field, but fucking throw Bruce Campbell in there. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's Ooh. he doing? Probably not yeah, a lot, like right? It. Like, just just give him, like, give him a little cheddar. You know, get him in a Chris Columbus movie. Then who knows what happens? He gets on set, super charismatic. All of a sudden... You know, eight years later, the guy's making a Harry Potter movie and he says, hey, you know what? I need somebody to be Professor McFuckwitz or something in the background. What are you doing? And then all of a sudden, Bruce Campbell's in Harry Potter. And who knows what happens after that? I'm just saying. Let's get the Love man it. some work. Love it. So. Got yeah. my hero. Love it. He's the man. He's the man. <laughs> Didn't even think about that, but yeah, it's, it's great. And then uh, last one, if you're going to swap somebody in the cast for a binge staffer, who would it be? Uh, I know that I swap Ammon into a lot of movies. I just feel like he works in a lot of situations. And if you're telling me that you wouldn't watch a movie that features Ammon and Harvey Firestein as a couple in San Francisco that make faces <laughs> and wigs and shit like that, you're out of your mind. I, I feel like it's a match made in heaven, and I can't wait to see it. That's great. <laughs> so... Uh, I can see it. I can totally see it. Of course um, you can. My, I went with uh, the scene at the beginning. You know, you got the smokers in the in the booth. Mm. I, I wanted to throw, I wanted to plug Cupka in there, but he's just smoking a J instead of the cigarettes, and he's there just kind of doing his thing back there. He's baked out of his mind, and uh, yeah, he's just, it doesn't have any words. They, they just point to them. He That's says, right. oh, you're no help, or whatever he says, and he's just high as fuck back there, so. I went with oh. Cup. I don't think I've ever plugged Cup in anything, so I had to get him some yeah. love. Yeah, that that works. <laughs> I mean, you know what would be really funny if they could get the, uh, you know, cheap, like, one-day uh, CGI budget or something like that is uh, the three guys that are in the booth. Just make all three of them Cup in different wigs yes. or shit like that, you know? Even better. Yeah. Just the different sure. different Cupka hairstyles we've seen throughout the years, you know? That's some right. Some long-haired Cupka, some short-haired Cupka. Goatee Cupka, full-beard Cupka. <laughs> ICP Cupka, like Juggalo, I love it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> 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 Gotta get him a bottle of fucking Fago to go with that shit. But... That's right. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Um, all right, so, yeah, superlatives have been given out. We talked this movie uh, pretty thoroughly, I think. Um, you know, the only other thing I gotta add to the end of this is this reminded me of how important movies can be when you're a kid. 
Um, not everything has to be the next Transformers or Marvel or whatever. There's really there's an important function that I think movies have, and I'm going to get on a soapbox for a second here. I know you agree with me, but I'm still going to say it on fucking recording. Um, I think that movies serve a really important function sometimes in showing somebody a part of the world or a culture or a language that they have never seen before and they otherwise would never have been exposed to. This movie is a batshit premise. It's a man who gets movie makeup to dress up like a woman to see his kids. It, it Under different circumstances, this movie can't work. It just doesn't work. But it, it works because of Robin Williams. But that, to me, is like... It's secondary to, 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 to the whole broken family plotline. And I have to say, I relate to this movie so strongly that I, I, I just feel like it shaped a lot of the way that I thought about the world at the time. And... I remember seeing this movie and seeing this kind of positive resolution for everybody at the end. And I remember looking at my own life and seeing like, oh man, this is never going to be on the table for me. And, and it was just, just like, it just hit me like a ton of bricks watching it this time. I was like, my God, man, I, I know this is just a minor comedy, but this, cha- this like fundamentally changed the type of person that I am, you know? Um, so I don't know. I just feel like, you know, you and I talk about a lot of movies here. Obviously, we've talked about a lot of movies with the with the binge people, and um, we've done other shows and things like that. And there's stuff that we love, and there's stuff that we hate. But I, I, I think that there's a there's a whole other section of watching films where there's stuff that is just formative, and you can't really. I, I can't. I almost can't like compare this movie to other movies. It's just that there's so much of it that I think is like baked into my DNA. And I never bring this movie up, but I, watching it again, it just it brought everything back. And it, it's just like, it's such a special movie. And I, I feel like all of us have these movies. Um, and this is just, this is one of mine. So, so yeah, awesome. uh, quite, a, quite a soapbox, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step down okay. and uh, let you see what you got to yeah. say there. <laughs> no, I mean, I, that's, no, that's fantastic. I mean, that's, I totally agree that, yeah, that's, there are absolutely movies like that. It's, yeah, we don't always agree on everything or all movies and whatever, but it's what makes the world go round. We all, yeah, it's shit touches us in different ways, right? So it's like, yeah, could be uh, exactly. Don't don't yeah, it could be a, be a drop pull, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, one of these days I'll get to all these but, back episodes and get some polls. But <laughs> no, yeah, that's that's awesome, man. I mean, yeah, this. This was a great, great rewatch. This is why I like doing this show. It's, you know, movies that I hadn't seen in 20 plus years and revisiting. And just like like I said at the beginning of the show, the second that Howard Shore score hits, it's just like, yeah, you're transported right back to the 90s. And when I was a kid again watching this shit. So, I mean, it's it's good stuff. Good shit. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. What do you you have for a final letter grade here? Yeah, yeah. Um, I went with the B plus. This is yeah. I will definitely rewatch this movie. Uh, I'm glad it's it'll be. I don't know about the rotation, but yeah, it's. I will. Now I can remember and recall this shit from this, and uh, mm. yeah, strong B plus for me. I'm yeah. That's what I'm. With. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if you could tell from the fucking beginning of this episode. <laughs> this, this is an A. This is an A for me. Um, yeah. I I love this movie. I can't again. It's sort of like it's like the original Star Wars. You just gotta there's like a there's like a shelf in my mind where there's a there's like I don't know a handful of movies that I just I don't know what to tell you, man. Like 
don't know what to tell you, man. You know, I'm I'm fucking recording podcasts and we're you know recording the ones where the bodies fall out. No, trying, I was trying to make that work, but it wasn't coming together. Um, but no, there's a there's just like a collection of movies that are just formative. This is one of them. Um, I don't know that I would ever put it on my top ten. I don't know that I need to. Um, it's just there's there's so much in this of me in this movie, and I, I think it comes from this movie. Um, I don't know if if you haven't seen this and you know me, watch this movie, and I, I think you may understand a little bit more about like where I come from. Uh, you know, when when it, when it comes to being a, ch- a child of divorce, you know, it was, it was a thing that defined me for a long time, and uh, yeah, it's just it's it's a it's a very highly emotional movie for me. I still think it's hilarious. I just think it's a great. I, th- I think it's a, I think it's a classic. I do, um, but maybe it's only a classic for me. So there you go. That's all it takes. That's right. All right. Well, uh, that's Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, go give it a watch if you haven't. If you got this far without watching it, then I pity you. Go fucking watch the movie, man. Um, all right. Next week or next episode, I should say, uh, we're getting close to a holiday. And uh, that holiday has kind of inspired us to go in a certain direction here. So, Chad, what are we thinking for next time? That's right. The, the release schedule is at a weird time. The strikes have caused. So we're, we're pivoting a little bit these next couple. But, uh, yeah, it's Valentine's Day, of course. And we are going the 20-year anniversary of Michelle Gondry's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Excellent. Uh, very excited to talk about this movie. I don't, think, I don't know if I've... We've has it really ever been covered on binge? I don't think it has, but I just, uh... maybe in passing. But I, you know, it's funny. We're in a pocket of time now where there's a lot of shit that's hitting its like 20 year anniversary that I feel like you and I saw on release, and they're they're like they're really important movies to us. And yep. binge has been around for 10, 11 years now, and, and maybe now is the time where we can kind of bring those things back to talk about them in a more, uh, I don't know, structured way. So I have a feeling we're going to, it kind of opens us up. The longer we go, the more it kind of opens us up to some interesting selections. So we'll see what happens for sure. Yeah. We're getting all all romantic. So yeah, I, I, nobody I'd rather do that with than you buddy. So (laughs) absolutely get excited. All right. Binge movie homework at gmail.com. Send your stuff there. Uh, questions, comments, suggestions. We read them, we digest them, and then we uh, incorporate them into the show here and there. So, um, and you can follow Binge Media at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Patreon. And of course, on Patreon, five bucks a month for the bonus episodes, commentaries, and shenanigans. Make sure you're voting in the monthly poll there. And uh, yeah, Chad, you got anything else for the people? Got nothing, buddy. All right. For that, I'm saying peace. See you. Thank you for listening to Movie Homework, a Binge Media production. Follow the Binge Media Podcast Network at bingemedia.com, patreon.com slash binge media, or wherever you get podcasts. Got a movie suggestion? An award suggestion? Send us an email at bingemoviehomework at gmail.com. Binge